Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, your host here, broadcasting from Lorena, 1260 AM, 96.5 FM in Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Quick shout-out to our business partners in the Des Moines metro, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe, located at 20th and Woodland. That's my grocery store and an excellent place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They've also got a catering service. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been treating creatures great and small for over 30 years. That's Story County Veterinary Clinic. And thanks to Ritual Cafe, located at 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Fair Trade Coffee, Fair Trade Tea, and an all-vegetarian menu. And thanks to Cinco de Mayo Restaurant, located on Southeast 14th Street. Authentic Mexican food at excellent prices, affordable prices, and really high-quality, friendly service. at Cinco de Mayo Restaurant. And thanks to Namaste Restaurant at 7500 University Ave in Clive. A white assortment of Indian food from both the north part of the country and the south part of the country. That's Namaste Restaurant. All right, so later in the program, we're going to be talking about um, Medicare for All and is it a trap set for Democrats? We'll also talk about how Trump is taking no, it. it's a trap they're setting for themselves. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. We'll also talk about how uh, Trump is getting into it with the automakers and Canada and, no surprise, California over his proposed repeal of Obama's uh, automobile emissions standard. We'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about the delightful new um, fundraising uh, gimmick for the Trump <laughs> campaign, the plastic mega straws. And we'll also query as to what, query whether or not they might soon be subject to a trade tariff. Anyway, <laughs> but first we got to kick it they, up. They may be adding on high capacity magazine replicas <laughs> oh. as a. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. Well, we'll also be talking about to kick it off here, the uh, CNN Jerry Springer debate, uh, <laughs> the most recent debate, uh, two part debate. We maybe maybe we'll be down to a one. A, a one I don't know. There may be enough candidates left in September where we still have. A two-part debate, but Charles, uh, I have uh, I have um, analyzed this debate extensively. I know. I actually, have, I brought with uh, brought with me your uh, take on the winners and losers. Oh, and you're going to critique it for us? Well, I, I thought that <laughs> some of them were quite interesting. And, and again, I think well, the biggest problem with the debates. Well, first of all, thank goodness that the audience for that second series of debates was half what it was for the first, and much more engaged. Yeah, uh, there were three uh, three um, heckling protests. They they need they really they need to get rid of the audience. Boy, they need to get rid of Bill De Blasio. Well, he's the one who attracted it all. <laughs> no, they really do need to get rid of the audience. Um, but, the, but it made it more interesting. And Cory well, Booker looked so confused. It was very delightful. No, nah, I mean you know he actually handled it pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I it slows things down. It's totally unnecessary. It just reinforces the entertainment. Approach to right. this and the, Jerry and the horse race approach yeah, sure. that they're taking. Okay. You know, and I, I, I just don't see the point. And right. they need to move it to PBS or something. Enough already with or with that. Yeah. You know, you know, in conjunction with nonprofits that are working on issues that matter. You know, whether yeah. it's climate or some of the other. I mean, I mean, half the half the conversation was about healthcare. But it was. So, what do you think of my? I think my my analysis was. Uh, yeah, that there were candidates we didn't expect. Well, I thought did pretty well. Tulsi Gabbard, right? I, I saw that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, 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 I'm just not sure. You know, with Gabbard, her her big thing is the anti empire, you know, part. The the, the well, anti militarization right. too. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, the, the, the empire, empire and the military. Are, sure. Uh, right. And the militarization of this country are, are intimately related. Right. And I agree with her. In fact, see, this is one of the problems I have. 
the answer to everything f- is to tax people more. How about we just stop funding the military at this level? The military hasn't been able to do an audit of its expenditures for 15 years now. It's a sinkhole for billions of dollars that we have no idea where it goes. I think some of the candidates would agree with you on that. Oh, I agree. I but mean, th- you know Gabbard would. I would think yeah. Sanders would, Warren. I agree. And to me, this is this is one of the things when you get to the Medicare for All where, you know, it, it, and again, it's, it's a setup by the, the uh, well, let, let, CNN. Let's say, let's say yeah, that okay. conversation. But it is a setup because nobody ever asks, well, isn't there another way of funding this? Okay, let's say that sure. conversation. But yeah, okay. just overall, um, you know, your take uh, on – I, don't, I hate to say it, winners and losers. I mean, I just I get so tired of that. But it seems like there's an expectation that pundits and analysts and talk show hosts come up with some assessment as to who well, benefited and who didn't. I, I think the people at the periphery of the stage have to stand out to get any attention. So they then tend to be perhaps more honest and you know less uh, rehearsed in their answers, and so they do stand out. You know, and and really, I don't want to hear another story about somebody who's dying from some disease and their health insurance. You know, th- this is totally unnecessary. People have an opinion of their health insurance. They don't need you to tell stories. You yeah. know, and, well, and they, I wish and they would stop with this formulaic of telling of stories. The conventional wisdom is that stories matter. Well, the conventional wisdom of the loser Democratic those. consultants is that you tell individual <laughs> stories. Wait, I, don't, I don't see the Republicans. Are you saying Democrats are losers? <laughs> wait, wait, what, what proof do you have? Well, what was your evidence? Oh, wait a no, minute. No, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you know, and, and again, um, referring back to things repetitively. Okay, I understand that Cory Booker was mayor of Newark. Okay, I don't need to hear that fifteen times. Well, yeah. occasionally you heard it from other candidates. <laughs> We're bashing for it, yeah, because that that rat infested Newark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't think anybody actually said that, but uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Trump wouldn't come out with something like that. Well, you know, and that, that of course is the other standard, which is that the <laughs> the Democrats are being held to a standard of of some being conversant with policy that we don't hold the president to. You know, I mean, I, I, I would have loved to have seen the president as the 11th debater up there trying to debate health insurance and trying to explain the Republican uh, health care plan. Yeah. You know, which I mean, it's just like today. What did he say? I want the Democrats to come up with an immigration plan. Uh, excuse me. You're the president. You're the president. <laughs> I know. Right, right, Do you right, not right. have any kind of plan well, that you like them to consider? Well, he did. build a wall and get Mexico to pay for it. Now Mexico wants to get us to pay for the, uh, the gun casualties uh, that, it, that affected its own its citizens. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so anyway, yeah, your list was Gabbard. I, well, I agree. In, the fir- in the first night, Sanders and Warren. I thought they, I, I thought they knocked it out of the park. You? Yes. You know, although it's really interesting to watch the two of them together because you know she she exemplifies one thing I really wish we had in a candidate, which is she's a good teacher. Well, you know, I, she she's able to take. Concepts and distill them down in a way that I think people, you know, come away understanding better. Now Sanders is—he's—I mean, he's so much the grumpy grandpa thing. You know, I mean, it's like—and he gets annoyed if you cross him. <laughs> I, I have—I so, have noticed that on four occasions when I've met him personally. Yeah, he does not—he does not, he, like, he does not like people challenged. questioning him. You know, um, and then you had Mar- Marion Williamson as in the second debate. Yeah, in the second debate. Uh, well, he was in with. With, oh, first, yeah, sorry. She was in with yeah, 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 right, the right. first debate. Okay, sorry. You yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, it's irrelevant. Uh, 
What do you mean? Well, she's not going to be the candidate, but I agree. Well, 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 she did bring something to the debate in terms of thinking about it. Why exclude anybody at this point? It's no, so no... fluid. Well, you, I mean, need to, I, I'm, I'm, you need to exclude some people because it's it's at the point where you don't hear well, enough from anybody to yeah. know what. And I, I do know, have, I do have a list of exclusions, and I would okay, I, go I, ahead. I share, well, I'll share that. But, but Williamson, uh, I mean, I, I think again, this is not an endorsement <clears throat> at all. But I yeah. think she, I think she, she beat expectations. Oh well, yeah, politics and debates in particular are about expectations. Mm -hmm. And she beat expectations. Yeah, and you had, and said some things that got people thinking. Yeah, and, you had, and searching you, the internet. You got Mayor you know? Pete down there. I, I agree. I think he was pretty smooth, as he usually is. Not I only think he gained anything, but he didn't no. lose anything either. You know. Yeah, I mean, he he. It's more a feeling about him than necessarily anything policy wise. You know, the fact that he's able to kind of bridge the gap, having been a veteran, so he can kind of be young in that, guy. Yeah, he's young. You know, like Gabbard, he's dubious of the wars in which he served, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so I think he's got a big future. I just don't know that this is really his time. Yeah. But I think, you know, I agree with you. I thought he did well. Then you had the, <laughs> you had Delaney, Hickenlooper, O'Rourke, and Ryan uh, as losing in the uh, – Right. The, the, I mean, Delaney, you know, <clears throat> Delaney's policies are actually – his proposals are not that bad. Mm -hmm. But when you come off – Basically beating up the majority of primary voting Democrats. Right. That's that's just so. That I mean, just just okay. Just just call it quits. Well, and I think I think what Warren said to him was just oh that she just nailed it. <clears throat> well, she I think the two that. the two centrists that came out of the debates, competitive with Biden, um, was one of your gainers in the second debate, which was Cory Booker, um, and then I think Michael Bennett. Yeah, he's just uh, so yeah. boring. <laughs> but <laughs> but he, he, you know, I think he he connects in a way. He and Ryan, I think, connected in a way to the people that the Democrats would like to get to vote for them. But yeah. you know, um, Ryan Bennett just seems more attractive in that in that role. Uh, I guess I mean, Mayor Pete would be a centrist. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to pin some candidates down. I mean, Booker, right. for example. I don't I don't really still I don't yet have a solid feel for where he stands on the political spectrum. And there may be enough gray area there where it's impossible to peg him. But well, I would like to hear from some of the <clears throat> centrists, and you know, I think we know we know who the 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 left leaning uh, you know candidates where they are in policy. I think right. you know of all the candidates. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are the most clear on where they are on certain issues. You know, certainly Sanders. A lot of the key issues. Yeah, if you Sanders look at yeah. is not as you know pervasive in his in his policy uh, you know pronouncements. But so, yeah. well, what, what about the uh, the the climate component of the debate, which was a couple minutes longer than the first debate, but mm -hmm. but hardly you know when you spend what forty five plus minutes on health care. And almost nothing on climate in comparison. Like what ten? You know, it's not. It, it's clearly not a priority for the moderators or the Democratic Party. But um, you know, you, the candidates again. Of course, they always default by going to Inslee. You know, you're the climate candidate, so we'll right. start with you. Who, who, I mean, who couldn't, by the way, get a carbon tax passed in his own state? <laughs> right. No, I mean, I like yeah. Inslee, but let's <clears> be. <throat> and, and that's one of the problems, which is this is all fanciful. Okay. I mean, when you get to the healthcare debate, when you know, when you get to the healthcare debate. Um, we ended up with Obamacare and not a public option because a public option would never pass. And this was when you had the Democrats in control mm -hmm. of the Senate. Remember, they had to, s to really wheel and deal to get this version 
of the ACA passed with right. Democrats in control. Well, and let's save the health care uh, sure. discussion for the next segment. We're going to come into that in a little more detail, a lot more detail. But regarding climate, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think a lot of them are talking uh, about the urgency of it. Right. Uh, and a lot of them have released some pretty decent plans. Even Biden has released a decent plan. Uh, the problem is, can they and will they deliver on it? And how does the plan stack up against their record? And, and regarding that, you've got concerns about Booker and, and donations from fossil fuel interests. You've got yeah. concerns about Beto O'Rourke and his support for exporting crude oil. You've got concerns about uh, Klobuchar and Hickenlooper. Uh, and Ryan about their support for fracking and 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 pipelines in their in their in their home states, you know. So, <clears throat> where 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 do the candidates? Okay, so really do you want to make the commercials for the Republicans? Uh, no, I'm sure those are already made, <laughs> and they probably couldn't afford me anyhow. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I've said this before on the show, and I'll say it again: <clears throat> the climate is not a winner if it's unconnected to. Revamping the American economy into right. the twenty century, and a lot of the century. candidates are doing that. Elizabeth right. Warren did that very strongly, and that is the only way it sells. No, you know, interestingly, there was an article in the Times just two days ago talking about the Republicans' concern that climate change is a issue that's going to come back to mm-hmm. severely harm them. Right. They're not sure it's going to be twenty twenty, but yeah. they say going forward, you know, they were talking about a number of, of very conservative, socially conservative Republican youth yeah. who are saying young, you can't go on like this because Republican this is my world. Young. This is the world yeah. that I'm going to inherit. Yeah, they get it. Yeah. So I, I think climate change has to be intimately connected to a restructuring of the American economy, proving to people that they will not – they may have to change jobs, but they will not lose jobs – if you go to an economy based on renewables. Well, and, and I think more and more people are going to start realizing that, oh, jobs may not be the biggest concern here. So uh, I think that's a huge that's a huge mistake. I, I know. Well, I, I disagree if, with I, you totally. No, it's going to come to that. If it, if it's not, I mean, for some of us, it, we're already there. It has to be in the United States that this climate catastrophe happens. And it has to be something visible to them. It has to be tsunami, it has, which, of course, isn't even a climate change issue in many ways. A tsunami right. is an earthquake issue, which has nothing to do with climate change in many ways. Well, but to it, tell, tell that to the folks in Oklahoma who've seen an incredible rise of earthquakes due to frack. And they still vote for Republicans, so well. that's not going to win. <laughs> um, no, I... I, I you you can say all you want. It's it's an existential issue. Yes, I understand that. But it's this country's elections are still about three things: who do I de- identify with, who's running, what's going to happen to my job, and uh, my health care. Well, Charles Milley, have the last word, and thank you on being and congratulate you on being right eighty percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> we got to run to a short break, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about <clears throat> Medicare for all on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand-selected wines and craft beer. Visit the Lively Cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. For all your accounting needs, both business and personal, contact Ying Sa at Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. 
It seems that tax law changes every year. You want an accountant who's up to speed on the latest twists and turns. Someone who can help make sure your tax return is filed accurately, in a timely manner, and properly, so you don't end up paying any more than you need to pay. So give Ying Sa, the founder of Community CPA, a call at 515-288-3188. That's 515-288-3188. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music, and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual. Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price every time. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet. Call Sargent's Garage at 515-246-8149. That's 515-246-8149. It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa Farms and Iowa Producers. Located at East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open for lunch and supper Monday through Saturday. From May through October, you'll also find Hawk at the Downtown Farmer's Market serving fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa, except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at hawktable.com. That's H-O-Q table.com. Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, maybe not an elephant. If you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's work history is long and deep, and her clients stick with her year after year because they know she will do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Namaste India is one of the best Indian restaurants in the Des Moines metro. Located at 7500 University Avenue in Clive, Namaste offers a broad range of cuisine from both northern and southern India. Namaste's menu also includes delicious Indo-Chinese and Nepalese dishes. Owner Ronnie Singh has been in the restaurant business for over 12 years, providing a truly unique culinary feature for Central Iowa diners. Open Wednesday through Monday for lunch and supper, Namaste also delivers to your door. That's Namaste Restaurant at 515-255-1698. That's 515-255-1698. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Uh, Dr. Charles Goldman, my guest here, as we launch into the second uh, component of our program, we're going to discuss Medicare for All. Charles believes that Medicare for All is a trap set for Democrats by, no, not Republicans, by Democrats. Charles, dig into that for me, would you? So um, 
I think one of the things you hear from the the Democrats, and it's not that I, I don't want to see a reform of our medical system, um, but what when you listen to the Democrats talking about Medicare for all, what what do they tell you that people believe? What do they tell me that people believe? Right. What is it the, depends on who's talking. All right. Well, let's say Bernie or uh, Elizabeth Warren. What do they tell you the, how it polls? It, uh, I can't remember what they say about polls, but the, the basic talking point, if I can attempt to reiterate it, is that you know people are sick and tired of paying a ridiculous amount of money for their health insurance, for the medical costs, okay. and for being unable to access the care they need at times. So it makes sense to create a system that doesn't have this middleman, the insurance industry, that's sucking so much wealth mm-hmm. uh, you know, away from people. Uh, and then, of course, in, in the process of reforming that, you also got to address the the uh, pharmaceutical industry, which again, I thought Sanders did a great job at, at showing just how bad it is when he, you know, went from Detroit across the river to Canada and mm-hmm. paid ten percent for right. uh, an inside. Well, who's, an who's subsidizing the prices in Canada? Well, um, <clears throat> uh, I would say I'm going to guess that it's a combination of. The healthcare system in Canada subsidizing it, meaning the people, mm-hmm. but also a, a case of the pharmaceutical industry driving up the prices here, because government refuses to get involved in trying to institute any kind of a you know insane, uh, sane price controls, and so it's it's a it's a double edged sword. Yeah, no, I think that that's a good point. Is in some ways the health insurers help the pharmaceutical companies overprice in the United States, which subsidizes their prices elsewhere, which obviously tells you what the true prices of these items are. I mean, let's face it. Insulin didn't involve any research on the part of the pharmaceutical companies, right? All they do is good manufacturing practices to make sure that your insulin isn't going to kill you, at least in terms of impurities or something like that. But that doesn't require them to have, you know, quadrupled or worse the price of insulin. Up by 10. A drug drug that's been around for over 100 years. So, but the insurance companies give them cover because you never, the, the, the private insurance customer never sees what the real price of the drug is, right? Because they just pay the copay. Hmm. And since it's usually a, a drug that on most panels is going to be $10 or $15, they don't see it. It's the people who don't have good prescription coverage who, who see it. So let me get back to, to you know what we first talked about. So if you listen to the, to the Democrats who are um, <clears throat> you know, pushing Medicare for All, they'll tell you that Medicare for All polls really well. And that's true. Until you ask people about the details, because if you which, ask which details, the, how, any how, of the how? details, your taxes may go up. Is that okay? Uh, uh-uh. no. Well, but, but your no. overall costs are going to go down. It, this doesn't matter. The Americans are not able to look at a cohesive picture of things, because when the, the question they were answering when they're polled, and this is by Kaiser Family. Kaiser Family is not a advocacy group for either way. They <clears throat> they ask the question of Are you for Medicare for all? Seventy five percent of people say yes. Ask, well, do you know it means your taxes may go up? Flip. Now it's 60 to 70% are against it. They asked the question of, well, what about being able to see your own doctor? Flipped again, which is ironic because in terms of being an open panel system. You can't see your own doctor now. Well, no, that's exactly right. In fact, the panels are becoming much more constrained under private health insurance than they are in Medicare. The only reason they're constrained in Medicare is because people buy these Medicare Advantage plans, which are sold by Wow, the private health insurers. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me get back to okay, the important sure. thing here, which is Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders' antipathy to the private health insurers, which is 
in my mind, completely morally justified, is making them say something that is ill-conceived and actually wrong. There is no system in this in the world, even in the UK or in Canada, that does not have a private health component to it. So the idea that you would get up on the stage and say to the American people, I want to abolish private health insurance because that's what they've done in other countries is not true. What is the private health insurance component of the British system? You can buy – there's a, there's a uh, panel – there's you know private doctors. Sometimes they're actually national health doctors who work outside the system. Um, there's prescription drug coverage. In who, can, who, can, who buys that? People who can afford it. Exactly. Okay, so... No, 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 but, this, <laughs> but, but, but if, if you're looking for the suburban voter to peel off from the Republicans, mm. telling them that they're not going to have that option makes no sense. And the, private health, the existence of private health insurance in a nationalized system doesn't mean that the costs are going to stay the same way they are right now. You know, so the... This... this, this this hajj against the private health insurers is going to come back to bite them. The system which makes the most sense in terms of where the United States is, and is probably the most analogous, is the German system. 75% of that system is provided through mandatory governmental and trade union involvement. Right. 25% is add-ons through a private health insurance system. It uses up about 10% of the GDP in Germany versus 18% in the United States and Something that you don't get with Medicare is long-term care. So you've got, you know, one of the biggest problems in the United States is that if you get sick and infirm, there's no place to go. Long-term health insurance is way too expensive in the United States. Your only option is is to take mom or dad's assets, spend them off so you can get Medicaid to pay for long-term care. The German system can do that at almost half of the GDP include accident insurance, disability insurance, and long-term care, okay, and, so and health insurance. That's fascinating and well thought out, of course, and of course you're a doctor, you thought right. about this deeply, but, but the, um, <laughs> that, that's a lot harder to explain to people than, than that we're going to end the practice of, of, of drug companies gouging you, of insurance companies overcharging you, uh, of hospitals overcharging you, and we're going to provide a health care plan that works for everybody. But it, it, that's what you have to do to make – if you're going to make – this is a, a huge change. This is an industry that employs 500,000 people, the health insurers. This is an industry that by virtue of being publicly traded, many of the companies, is the underpinnings of pension funds for state and other governmental employees. You can't just say you're going to eviscerate an industry because you don't like them. I don't like them either. So your advice to candidates like Warren and Sanders and others who – Is don't remake this. You already have an example that would be better than what we have. So and my other question to you is what is it that Elizabeth Warren wants? Does she want access or does she want reduced costs? You don't get both. I think you need both. <laughs> no, you don't get both. In fact, every look at the Medicare for All plans is shows that – you, if if you, you're probably not going to get the cost savings, everything would have to go right for cost savings. You would probably end up spending around the same amount of money we're spending now, but you would have universal access and maybe you could throw in some legitimate long-term care. Yeah. So that's the other thing, which is make this simple. Well, we should talk about this some more. You've got to run to a short sure. break here, folks. Uh, when we come back, uh, more conversation for you on the Fallon Forum. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here. Charles Goldman with me as well. A quick shout-out to some of our business partners here in the Des Moines metro. Uh, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe at 20th and Woodland in the Sherman Hill neighborhood. Great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. My grocery store and also an excellent uh, catering service. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. Uh, thanks also to Hawk Restaurant where 90% of the food served comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. Hawk also has a booth at the Farmer's Market in downtown Des Moines, three Saturdays a month. Thanks also to Sergeant's Garage, located at 6th and College, where they've been working on my old beaters for a long time. That's Sergeant's Garage. And thanks to Diversity Insurance, located at 1541 East Grand in Des Moines. No appointment needed. Stop by. That's Diversity Insurance. And thanks to Community CPA, with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City, Director and founder Ying Sa uh, knows her accounting and tax stuff inside and out. Give her a shout. That's Ying Sa at Community CPA. All right, so um, later in the program, specifically for our community-owned stations, we're going to be talking about MAGA plastic straws. And uh, <laughs> it, do it doesn't get any weirder than that. Well, yeah, it does, actually. But for now, we're going to talk about uh, the Obama-era emissions standards. Again, Obama improved. Uh, you know, re 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 passed requirement or offered and Congress to pass requirements that we reduce, uh, that we, we increase the um, fuel efficiency standards. Correct. To uh, a fleet mileage of 54 uh, and a half gallons, 54 and a half miles per gallon by 2020. And Trump wants to repeal that. And one would think, okay. Well, well he wanted to, yeah, they were going to repeal them and, and put them down to 37. Right. Miles per gallon. Right. And for, for what reason, I'll never know, except well, that he that's just hates, interesting the, question. hates the planet. Well, no, that's an interesting <laughs> question. We actually, I can, we can talk about that a little bit. Um, so one of the interesting developments that has come up is that uh, four car companies, it, it just came out last week, made agreements with California. Because the situation in the United States is that California has gotten an exemption from the federal standards to enforce stricter standards in California since the 60s. And they have made use of that exemption to make the California car market and, much and, more stringent. It's not, not necessarily because California is more progressive. They are in some ways. But it's mostly because air quality in some of the bigger cities, especially Los Angeles, is horrific. Well, in fact, that's right. It, it dates back to the era when CO2 wasn't an emission we, that we were concerned about. But the fact that the air in California was green and red was a yeah. um, Very Christmassy. A yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I spent, I spent 10 days in Los Angeles – uh, and I never, I never got stuck in a traffic jam. Really? That's uh, well, because you're riding your bike. No, because I was walking. Um, <laughs> I was walking. <laughs> well, maybe the 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 uh, listeners should know that you know that Ed's Ed's old mo mobile is uh, is fitted out with his version of emission controls, which is the. <laughs> He has a hole in the floorboard by which the CO2 is sucked up back into the car <laughs> and rebreathed by all members. You know, all I, like to, I like to fill the passenger seat in the back with plants <laughs> so that they, they get the benefit of that. Exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah, thanks. No, so, so <laughs> full of great ideas, Charles. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the situation in California is that um, 13 other states, and you can probably guess which ones, um, Alabama, yeah, Mississippi, exactly, exactly. Texas. Be okay. um, Thirteen other states have already said that they would stick with whatever California standard is going forward. Um, and interestingly, um, it, last week, four car companies said that they would also go with whatever California standards are versus federal standards if they disagree. Uh, the four car companies being Ford, 
Volkswagen, a company well known for its concern about emission standards, um, <laughs> Honda and BMW, and the belief is that Toyota and GM are probably going to go along now that these other four were announced. They didn't announce them. These negotiations have been ongoing for a while. Because so has, have there been any, any nasty Trump tweets against the automakers for this, uh, this uh, travesty? Well, not yet. And okay. what, what happened then later in the week was Canada said that they've already reached you know, a, a written agreement to essentially the same thing. Now, what's going on right now is the Trump administration um, is going to go forward with the rule setting, and then, of course, there'll be a court case. Now, going back to your question, what, why would, when the car companies now are telling the president by this agreement that yeah. they well, don't find it onerous to meet these standards. I'm sorry. The only difference is that, they, that the new standard would be 51 miles per gallon in 2026 versus 54 and a half in 2025. That's the agreement they've made with California. Okay. Now, so, so what's your take on why the president is still going to fight for 37 other than his usual obstinance on anything he's told to do? Because it plays to his base. What it, what about his base would think it's a great idea to have cars that, you know? Because this is America, to, this is this is America, Charles, and we have the freedom to burn whatever amount of carbon we want. And okay. if you don't like that, you can go back to communist Russia, wherever you came from. <laughs> so so it's an expression of your freedom to lay waste to the planet. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it to me it does show the fealty <clears throat> of this administration to the extraction industries because they're the big losers if mileage right, is true. better. Right. And in, and then of course it's because it's associated with Obama, so the president, of, you know, President okay, Trump, yeah, of course. Those, you know. all, all three of those reasons, and probably, and probably, honestly, the most important one from Trump's point of view is appeasing his fossil fuel buddies, who are very, very much entrenched in his, in his not just his campaign, but in his life. You know, right. So yeah, I think that's probably the main reason. But right, because it, otherwise it doesn't make sense. If the people who are manufacturing the cars said we can do this, mm -hmm. we can get better mileage. And, you know, what's the main issue in the United States? The main issue in the United States is not the technology to get better mileage. The main issue is that the most lucrative cars to sell in the United States are SUVs cross, and crossover trucks. SUVs yeah, and pickup trucks. Ouch. Yeah. Right. Which, so let, let, yeah, me, well, let me ask you this. So if uh, the automakers oppose, they, they, they resisted Obama's effort to increase emission standards. Well, no, even even those standards were in negotiation with the car companies at the time. Well, he basically told them, "This is we need to do this. But they weren't what happy can, about it. No, not, but, but they, but in they, fact, they, they created the situation because they went to Trump after the election, after he won, and said, well, we want, we want some you know, relief so, from this. So why have they changed their minds? Because the, California is the biggest single state market for cars in the United States. Okay. And if you then add Canada, which is about the same size, that's a lot of cars yeah. that you aren't going to be selling. And I think they believe he's going to lose right. in court. Is that uh, not Trump personally? You know. But the U.S. government. But, I mean, yeah, if he argued sure. the case, they would definitely lose. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, that they're betting that he's that the administration is going to lose or they're going to run the clock out and the Democrat may but, win in 2020. But part of it is that they're already, be, they're already set up to make these changes and, and mm -hmm. they're probably anticipating that. And they need to do it now. Well, yeah, and they're probably also uh, uh, presuming that um, this may not last, that Trump may not be around in 2021 to continue the effort. And right. then you'll see them revert to the Obama Emission standards, or perhaps even something even more, um, you know, more aggressive. Mm -hmm. So, right, they're they're playing the long game on this, is my guess. Well, no, but on the other side, let me just read you a quote. And this, to me, um, 
personifies what's wrong with our our partners on the progressive side. Uh, Daniel Becker, who is director of the Safe Climate Campaign at the Center for Auto Safety, uh, which, although it sounds like it, it's, it's actually not a, 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 a Koch brothers funded group. <laughs> um, you know, because their, their groups are always named the opposite of what they really want to do. Easy mistake to make, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. He criticized the agreement. And remember, the agreement is for 51 versus 54 and a half in a one-year delay. He criticized the agreement saying this means more pollution, less savings at the pump, and a bad precedent for future standards. And I am saying shut up. <laughs> in your very nicest tone, tone of voice. Yes. Enough already. Yeah, this yeah. is the kind of crap from, from, from the progressives that makes – that's how you lose. This is a victory. Yeah. You know, involving corporations of all things. Yep. And just take it and walk away and stop whining. This so, is how so, they get called So in other words, um, notwithstanding the debate, it's been a good week in Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. All right. So hey, let's uh, let's talk about these straws. I'm just chomping at the bit to talk about plastic straws. Okay. So um, <laughs> I, I think for I guess most of the listeners know that um, about a couple of months ago there was a lot of talk about you know the plastic. Uh, island that's floating around in, in the various oceans from what we dump into the yeah. environment. I mean, and, it's, and it's, it's, a, it's an astounding and disturbing it amount is. of junk. It just, it, yeah, I don't know how many billions or trillions of tons. And that doesn't count, all, that doesn't include all the junk that's washed up on beaches and landfills. I mean, it's, right. you know, the, the, the movie WALL-E, I haven't seen a lot of movies, but the movie mm-hmm. WALL-E where earthlings abandon the planet because it's become too polluted, too too much litter. Is that what happened in WALL-E? I think so. <laughs> what? You don't, you don't know? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sherry's I mean, <laughs> saying yes, that is wall She knows. Yeah. She probably had two kids who watched it. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, it's, not, it's, it's unfortunately hitting a little bit close to home. And, and the ocean is – what's happening in the ocean is, is appalling. And animals are right. eating this stuff. Uh, are you watching Ancient Aliens in association with Wally so that you can find out about going back to the planets we came from? Yes, with another physician. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> you physicians are a strange bunch. So, <laughs> right. So the, the, the plastic straw thing is that, um, you know, it came out <clears throat> that in particular plastic straws as part of this, you know, uh, this plastic flotilla – um, are very, very damaging because they can be ingested, et cetera. And so um, it, it has been a move to uh, replace the plastic straws either with nothing. Mm-hmm. Or, really, how often do you really need a correct. straw? I mean, right. I, I get it. There are some cases where people do need a straw. Right. So, okay. So this is. Well, you got a pretty picture of a straw. There, I, I do. So, so before we get to that. <laughs> um, so, anyway, yeah. So it, it, it became symbolic of the libtards, right? Um, that's us. That's us. Right. <laughs> and so the uh, committee to reelect the president, I, I don't know if that's what it's really called, but Creep was the committee to reelect Richard Nixon. I'm assuming we can use it for, for Trump, too. Um, is <laughs> was, was, was that the C- actual name? It was C-R-E-E-P, yeah. That was the committee, actual ac- Committee to reelect Nobody thought that was a bad acronym? <laughs> <laughs> he probably thought it was great. Okay. <laughs> Nixon. So anyway, um, to raise money for uh, Trump's campaign, the uh, Trump campaign committee – is selling for fifteen dollars ten red straws that say Trump on them. Oh, Trump! They don't say MAGA. No, they don't they say, say MAGA. Trump. They are MAGA straws, but they just say Trump on them, right? Yeah. Well, and they're red like the hat. Yeah. And so this is 
this is a it's way. It's tempted to buy one just to. Well, but I mean, you know, it's just so it's so juvenile. Just, to do, just to, well, it's tempted to buy one just to do lots of juvenile pranks with it. Right. But so yeah. anyway, so they they're selling these to raise money, and they're evidently big sellers. They sold how much? Uh, how much does it cost? How much does a mega straw, a Trump straw, cost? Oh, probably like a, you know the whole pack of ten probably cost them a dollar when they get it from China. Well, oh, sure. I'm sorry, dollar ten now because yeah, dollar ten because of the, <laughs> the tariff. tariff right, right. Get, a, get your Trump straw now, folks, before the price goes up. So, anyway, the New York Times said that you know, as as always happens, the um, there's some other advocacy group that came in and said, no, we need straws because the you know if you're going to replace your plastic straw, you could do it with a glass straw or a wooden straw, you know, or a paper. reusable paper or a reusable plastic straw. Um, but evidently in England, a 60-year-old disabled woman fell on her metal straw and was fatally impaled. Okay. I'm trying to get a visual on that and right. failing. Right. It, but somehow she was fatally impaled. Um, and so this is a group that's on the same side as the president and his followers who thinks the, we should keep paper straws because is it's now, is one it now, I know Britain has a lot of political parties. Is it now a political party that's, <laughs> that's opposed to metal straws? No, I mean, we're laughing at something that obviously is terrible, but they, they could have fallen on a fork, you know, or uh, you a, you know, anything. So, yeah. But, I mean, this is how crazy our political <clears throat> discourse has gotten. Hmm. And that people would pay, 140,000 people bought these set of straws. Wait, how long have they been on the market? You know, just since the whole thing came up, maybe a, a month or two. Okay, and so this is a fundraiser for the president, the president's campaign. Right, one hundred forty thousand people have bought a, pa- a pack of ten plastic straws. That's right. That's a Trump. And, and, do they, and do they take them to restaurants with them? Those and no, they're not meant to be reusable. That's the whole point. No, if you reuse them, you're missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is to throw them away <laughs> because we have right. dominion over all right. the earth and sea. So we're supposed to just do whatever we want, we, especially over the sea. Apparently, <laughs> yes. we've, we've, we've plasticized it. Yeah. So what, what's to stop you? Well, has from, your son? Your son? Your son's in the Merchant Marines, right? Well, he he's on, he goes out on. Yeah, he, he's yeah. seen he's seen the plastic. Has he uh, seen the plastic seen, flotilla? Yeah, he has. It's 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 disturbing. Yeah, yeah. it must be pretty. So pretty. I mean, pretty and you can see it from the air too. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know? So, um, let's say you bring your pack of ten straws to the restaurant for your family of you know your your family's there, and mm-hmm. this is the restaurant that no longer serves plastic straws, or, or no longer serves Trump, uh, you know, supporters. What? Well, no, there aren't restaurants that do that, are there? Well, don't you remember that the restaurant kicked. Uh, Oh right, right. Sarah right, Sanders, right. her family out. Some restaurant in Virginia. Yeah, that's that's an exception, though. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I think that's going too far. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Okay. You should just harass her ceaselessly during the meal. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. just make her sit there and not serve her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, or just yeah. just vacate all the tables around. Her. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we just. But the um, yeah the uh, I mean the, the straw thing is okay. So it's a fundraiser. I get that, mm-hmm. but. It's a statement. More importantly, it's a statement. It's a statement. And what is it? What exactly is Trump's? What is what? Is, what is his statement? His what is he trying to say? That he's okay with this big pile of plastic? Oh garbage? no, no, no. It, it's totally divorced from that. It, it's what I got. It's what I said before. It, it, the appeal of Trump has nothing <clears throat> to do with policy because he has none, except for you know some and, kind of immigration policy. I'm not sure exactly what it and is. And enriching himself. Yeah. So, but basically, people are voting. Because they associate themselves in some way with the persona. See, that's the thing. The Republicans for years got away with a strategy of in, 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 you know, inducing identity politics. The very thing, of course, they claim the Democrats do the most. <laughs> and, and, right. and, and, I mean, and there's some truth yeah, to that. The Southern strategy <laughs> and the racism and all that. And they felt like it didn't matter what was really appealing to their voters – 
was their policies, that they were really for low taxation on corporations, that, you know, that they were for the, uh, the, you know, the second the Second Amendment being the most important amendment to, in the Bill of Rights and, you know, uh, abortion, the abortion yeah. issue. Exactly. And it turns out none of that was important. To the true ardent Republicans, maybe it was for the suburban, higher educated Republicans, but for most of the Republicans, it wasn't. It was all about the persona of being a Republican, of trolling the, the liberals, of trolling the coastal elites, who rightfully they perceived as condescending and dismissive of them. Once again, we can thank the Clintons for their wonderful <laughs> contribution to our politics when Hillary said, "Call them the deplorables." Yeah. And that cemented in their minds how people on the coast feel about people or, or in closer the flyover country. Closer to home, when Congressman Bruce Braley said as he was running for the U.S. Senate, um, you know, ma- making fun of the fact that they, a farmer, Charles Grassley, mm-hmm. was the head of the Judiciary Committee. That right. played really well with um, every farmer in the state. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that was one reason was, Joni Ernst went on to beat him. So Yeah. I mean, just ridiculous. Yeah. And it, not even a gotcha moment where you were talking you think in private which doesn't exist anymore because of the cell phone you know but out outright said it you yeah. know and, and, now, and now of course we have we have um you've heard about the uh, the military sur- the surveillance balloons no i haven't heard this said oh yeah, yeah. definitely there, watching too much no no no, no 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 this is, this is absolutely true <laughs> there there are surveillance balloons uh, flying over the midwest yeah uh, as we speak, looking for what um terrorists and what exactly are they looking for? Um, all of us, I guess. I, it's well, you, really, don't need it's, su- it's, you don't need surveillance balloons. There's so many cameras <clears throat> on buildings now that, you know, you're on surveillance all the time. And, and we know that it, we're not that far away from what's going on in China, yeah. you know, with, with facial identification and all that, that your privacy is finished. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, that's another great conversation. But back to these straws. Sure. Again, more and more restaurants – are not carrying straws. That's right. Or not carrying plastic straws. Mm-hmm. More and more people are demanding it. The statistic that uh, conventionally, until until recently, 500 million straws a day end up in landfills, mm-hmm. not to mention how many end up in the oceans. Right. That's that's getting more and more people's attention. Uh, vi- visuals, uh, photographs, videos of uh, animals, um, you know, whales, mm-hmm. uh, seals being, you know, killed because of ingesting this plastic. Right. That's getting more and more people's attention. Mm-hmm. So beyond the whole pushback against straws, which have, I mean, again, plastic straws have kind of become the symbol of, uh, of, of one, one-use plastic waste. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more. And more and more, there's more and more pushback, and more and more businesses and industries and restaurants are starting to say no to it. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm just trying to understand. I, I understand Donald Trump doesn't have an environmental bone in his body, doesn't care about the planet at all. But for him to actually, you know, to, to do this implies to me, it suggests to me that there is some, some um, monetary fealty here as well. He owes somebody. There's some big plastic contributor. I mean, and again, maybe it's just oh, maybe it's simply the fossil fuel companies. I, I don't see that. Ed. You, you, I think we all need to look <clears throat> at our own lives and realize that um, we're all highly dependent on plastic and understand that plastic comes from petroleum products because they're in that sense petroleum is just donating carbon to be used in creation of these of plastics and it's all around our lives so i i think you're taking it a little bit too far i think it's mostly about just being it's an identifying kind of little totem for the cult for the cult yeah for the trump cult yeah but yeah i mean it's just another thing which makes you wonder i thought you were going somewhere else with this where you would think (laughs) go where you thought i was going well i thought you were going with this is another example of how again identification with trump you know with his 
standing up against the liberals and, and, and the coastal elites and everything else um, is what is really the attraction here. Because it, obviously it makes no sense to, if you have children or grandchildren to be, be spoiling the environment to, you know, to, to this degree for nothing. It's a straw. People lived for thousands of years without straws. We can live without straws. Yes, there are people who are disabled who have to have straws. They don't need to have plastic straws. And there are people who will impale themselves on metal straws if they're not careful. There are people who impale them. People, any accident that can happen happens because people are just, you know, it's like the Darwin Award things. It's like that I was watching, you know, looking at the news one day and there was going to be a tsunami in Australia and this this couple goes out there holding their like two or three year old waiting for the tsunami on the beach to watch it to watch it ouch okay you know and that's you know the door what's getting get out of my gene pool <laughs> you know you're looking at that ouch. and you're saying yeah. that's actually pretty sad yeah I mean yeah, it, yeah. it's frightening yeah so of course anything could happen with things you're carrying yeah so that's not a reason to you know, have plastic straws. Right. I, it just shows you again. It's it's not even but, about but, policy. But, but do you think? Do you think some of the? Okay, so it appeals to the base, in a smaller sense. It's, it appeals to the oil industry, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in a. I mean, there's the the country is forget the oil industry. They, there's plenty okay, of plastic. Sure, to be, there's plenty yeah, yeah, of plastic yeah. to be okay, made so, about straws. But, but, yeah. So so <laughs> the the his, you know the, the country is moving more and more toward a friendlier environmental ethic. Uh, because we have no choice, <laughs> right. and also more and more people are seeing just how bad it has become. So uh, once again, I ask you then: Why are people voting for Trump and the Republicans? Because a lot of those people are the ones who live in close association with the bespoilment of their environment, two including points, coal ash in their points. water. You know, Clinton actually won the popular vote, and again, that doesn't matter. It won the popular. Okay, but but the but the the other thing is, a lot of those people who voted for Trump were simply voting against Clinton. No, they Clinton, were voting against the status quo. I, I would say more than anything else, the issue of Clinton was people didn't come out to vote for her. That too. That you too. Know, they, and there was no enthusiasm to come out and vote for her, so right. they stayed home. Or, I mean, and I know plenty of people who voted for Trump not because of any enthusiasm for him, but because they were voting against the, the what they saw as the greater of two evils. Well, also the swamp. You know, they'd become dis, <laughs> the disenchanted. Swamp. Yeah, like, you know, given what's happening. No, but I, 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 and I, and I mean, it gets I, back to it gets back to the debates you were ta- we were talking about at the beginning. You know, you're not going to win the presidency back by getting more people in California, mm-hmm. New York, and Illinois to vote for you. Right. I know. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to win the presidency back by getting more people in the states where there were people who didn't vote at all or weren't motivated to vote because of other reasons, you know, mm-hmm. Jill Stein or whatever. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can blame a third I'm party. I'm not blaming on. Jill Stein. What I'm saying is, but and the Sanders people who stayed home because of the way the DNC ran the selection process. And they had a right to be upset. Yeah, no, but, I'm not. But I, again, I still I'm think not making that a judgment. Call, but, right. yeah. but this, you know, again, this gets back to the questions. Why didn't we hear anything about the judges that, that Trump is putting on the courts? That is a... Well, we do. We a, just haven't heard about it lately. That needs to be on the debate. Yeah. Yeah, it should be. You know? Yeah. Then a lot of the nonsense they were talking about, it doesn't matter that much. Because if you don't get control of the presidency and you don't get at least a, a you know, something in where it, the Senate is evenly distributed, yeah. nothing's going to happen anyway. Well, Charles, thanks for joining us today. Uh, folks, we've been talking with uh, Dr. Charles Goldman. We'll have a brief segment on uh, when, for the uh, folks on the community on stations when we come back uh, Again, I want to thank the folks here at Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. That's our home station here in Des Moines. 
the cultural and culinary crossroads of America, thanks to our production assistant, uh, Sherry Herdina, and to the producer, Ashley Martinez. Again, thanks for tuning in. You can always catch the program, of course, on the on Facebook. We live stream as many shows as possible on the Fallon Forum Facebook page. And, of course, there's a podcast as well on the Fallon Forum website. Uh, it's just uh, FallonForum.com. Questions, inquiries, and uh, and any any manner of um, compliments or insults, direct them to ed at FallonForum.com. Again, thanks for listening. This is Ed Fallon, your host here on the Fallon Forum. After show on Fallon Forum, and um, I wanted to talk about something that came up when I was watching the uh, after commentary on the first day of the uh, second Democratic debate, and they had Michael Moore on. And you know, you may have feelings about Michael Moore in terms of yeah, you know, the I, movies. I, I, I love him dearly. Yeah. So you know, but he's a guy who grew up in Flint, working class. Um, He's the person who actually, I remember a month before the 2016 election, he predicted Trump would win and exactly why he would win. Um, so I, I also predicted that. Yes, you did. You That's know. true. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Moore was on, and he pointed out something I think that was really important. He said, you know, this whole fantasy of winning the undereducated white male vote is, is a recurring Democratic fantasy because they have won that demographic only twice since the 1960s. So it's the norm for the Democrats to lose the undereducated white male vote. They, I mean, the under, undereducated white vote in general, but particularly the white male vote. Right. And so, really, all you're trying to do is not lose badly. I mean, Obama got somewhere in the high 20s, 30s um, among that group, and he was obviously still able to win twice. So the yeah. question is, do you run a campaign to try to reattract those people, which is the supposed logic for Joe Biden, or do you run a, a base campaign where you try to energize democratic lean voters to come out this Which time. was the Obama strategy. Correct. Yeah. So, so Moore made three interesting suggestions. Um, one would be that if you want to juice turnout, it's not just about the presidential candidate, but it's also about put something else on the ballot, put initiatives on the ballot where you're able to do that. In some states you can do that. You it, can't do that in that, Iowa. That's correct. Right. That's correct. You can't do this in every state, but there are states that would, that, that would fall work, into the right category. That works both ways, too. It can. Yeah. It can. But his argument was put things out there that would pull the progressive voter to the polls. Now, you could run into a situation like you did in Pennsylvania, where supposedly in Philadelphia 50,000 people voted for every every uh, person on the ballot, except for they didn't have a presidential choice. So, obviously, voter yeah. suppression and all that goes on. So it's the opposite of the of the, uh, the top of the ticket <laughs> bringing exactly. people in. It's a- right. So, I mean, but the point is it would energize people to come out. And, you know, things you could think about, minimum wage, state minimum wage, uh, gerrymandering issues, which actually was a big pull in 2018 in places mm-hmm. like Michigan right. and Wisconsin. Um, uh, so things like that. Uh, maybe perhaps the way unions are handled in the state. But something that would bring progressive voters to the polls. The second suggestion, and this one I disagree with, and I'm interested to hear your take, which is impeach the president. You know, at least go through the process in the House. That's uh, Tom Steyer has been basically campaigning. So for some reason... Yeah, what do you think Tom, Tom Steyer... What do you think Tom Steyer is doing? Well, you know, what, who knows? Because Tom Steyer... See, he seemed to be making sense a couple of years ago. He said, mm-hmm. well, i got to focus on climate change. This is an, this is an emergency. Right. And he pumped a whole bunch of money into... Uh, 
into activism in key areas, including Iowa, and also into campaigns on climate change. And then suddenly he was off climate change and he was on, we've got to impeach the president. And everybody from you and me to Nancy Pelosi was saying, um, let's not do that, please. Uh, let's not focus on that. Right. And yet he, and yet he persists. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. But, uh, it's, it's interesting to show you the supposed <clears throat> the even-handed nature of uh, you know mass media. MSNBC is doing a show on you know the swamp, and on the first show they equate Tom Steyer's with the Koch brothers. Yeah, of course they do because he's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of and money, and they say that yeah, he spends a lot of money, and he's essentially trying to buy the impeachment Tom of the president. Tom Joe George Soros. Yeah. Right. So they they are equating them with the Koch brothers, and he actually had a smart answer. He said. What we're doing is completely transparent. I'm not using front groups to hide where the money's going. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, that's the way it works here. Well, money is speech. He's got, he's got next gen. Right, right. But his, his point is money is speech. <laughs> and as long as you know where it's coming from instead of what the Cokes do, which is hiding this network of these organizations that do exactly the opposite of what they're named, that it's not the same. But that's the way that's, MSNBC that's, sees that's it. That's a weak argument. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, don't dis I disagree. This is yeah. the system, unfortunately, we have. Well, I, I, agree, I agree with you that, that, that pushing for impeachment is not a winning political no, argument. No, I agree but it's also not. It's also, policy-wise, it doesn't make sense. Well, plus you're going to lose. Make sense. You're going to lose. You're going to lose because you're not going to get enough and, votes and, in the House. And, 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 Trump is almost into his third term. Right. Th third year of his first term. I would rather well, they why, start why impeachment bother? proceedings next summer. And spend next summer, you know, no. dribbling out the dirt. At, at that point, it makes the, the the closer you get to November 2020, the less mm -hmm. sense impeachment makes. It already makes no sense. I, I, I mean, agree. No. I, I, so why, why would you want to see it happen in November uh, in like next summer? Well, because you can start dripping out some of the stuff that they are. I'm sure they already have. You can do that without pushing impeachment. Yeah. I guess and that's it, true. It's already been out there. Yeah. Oh, so, so, I'm, so, I'm more concerned so that they'll do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement. Because the problem <laughs> is that everybody keeps talking about, well, more than half of the House Democrats want to impeach. That doesn't matter. That's still not enough votes yeah. to actually even impeach in the House. And if they don't impeach in the House after a year, Trump's going to go out there and say, see, I told you, even the Democrats say I'm not guilty and, of and look, and look at how well impeachment went for Republicans when Bill Clinton was involved. You know? You know that it, it, it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. It's a distraction, right? You know. So I, I don't. I really don't know why Tom Steyer. He, he, he became personally more popular. Right. Clinton became personally more popular, but the, the the Republicans then, of course, won. You know, Congress because and and won the presidency. You know, two years later. So no, I, don't, I don't know if it had much to do with impeachment. That's the whole point. Right. That's the whole point. So anyway, well, let's get back to, okay, what do you think about, so we, we agree on the impeachment's a bad idea. Well, what else does Michael Moore say? Well, he said, the, you know, again, the third thing he said was run Michelle Obama. Also, who also said she wouldn't do it. Also a bad idea. Yeah, well, bad idea for that reason alone, that she's not inclined to do it. There, this, this campaign is already so far advanced, there's no room for anybody else to get in. Well, his, Whether or not Michelle Obama is a good idea as a candidate, that, that, can, that conversation can happen four years from now. Well, Bill Moore, Bill Moore actually a couple of weeks ago suggested Oprah, who is, would be the obvious choice. I mean, Oprah would win like 80% of the vote. Because it's women, and that's Moore's point. Moore's point is it's women that matter. Not the men. Oh, that worked. That went really well for Hillary Clinton. But it, 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 you can't just say women. It has to be the right woman. Yes. Hillary Clinton was not the no, right no, woman. No, no, no. He wasn't saying you have to run a woman. He was saying that the group that you have to influence is not un undereducated white males. Right. It's women in general, and and the Democrats are set up to be able to do that, given what the president has given them to work sure, with. Sure, and, and there are enough women candidates running where you mm -hmm. have you have possibilities there that could appeal to that. Right, he didn't say you need to run a woman. He, in fact, said you need to want 
run what you call the beloved outsider. That I agree with. That I totally agree with. That that pretty much nails it. And to mm -hmm. me, the the whole analysis uh, for polit for presidential elections since two thousand is outsider or perceived outsider, mm -hmm. perceived uh, perceived uh, candidate who is less inclined to be you know you comfortable with the establishment versus the establishment candidate. Rightly or wrongly, Al Gore was the establishment candidate against George Bush. Mm -hmm. John Kerry was hands down. I mean. There was no argument there. There were counties here in Iowa that uh, voted Democratic for their local senator or rep mm. that were, were carried lost by 40%. You know? crazy so, who, so who in the Democratic field <clears throat> presently would you say fits that? We'll talk more about that in subsequent shows. Right. I'm not uh, asking you who you're supporting. I'm asking you just, you know. Well, I think, I think there's a lot of candidates that fit that description. Um, I, I, I think this is actually the best field of Democrats I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But again, look, looking at, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not Marion Williamson. <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm just going to say this is the best field of Democratic candidates right. I've ever seen. Partly because there's so many of them. Right. But uh, but but there's there's there's, there's good material. But the um, but then looking looking to uh, 2008, Obama won. Outsider, new ideas, hope and change mm -hmm. versus, you know, John McCain who'd been around forever. Right. Uh, Obama against Mitt Romney. Okay, that's an easy one. There's there there are too many people out there in politics who can be more firmly tied to the establishment than Mitt Romney. Well, and, except maybe Hillary Clinton. Right. Which is why she lost to crazy old and, Trump. And I think that for the most part, senators are terrible candidates to be running. There's too much of a record. Well, they're perceived tell, uh, yeah, as Obama. Well, but he's one of the few who's been able to pull that off. Kennedy. That was a while. Well, ago. that was okay. a long time ago. <laughs> And I, I just think that, that that's absolutely true. And yeah. outsiderness is, is a big thing right now. Well, we'll continue to analyze, dissect, and tear apart the caucuses and the uh, presidential candidates because we have nothing better to do. Um, <laughs> no, actually, because it's pretty darn important. Well, it's right August. There isn't anything. It's better. August, yeah. Well, the fair is coming out. Oh, I'm State sorry. Fair's coming right. out. We're going to go see the candidates at the fair next week. Make sure they eat their corn dog. <laughs> oh, All right. <laughs> Make sure they don't well, eat their corn Well, you know, they have, corn corn they have corn veggie dogs Oh, now. my gosh. Yeah. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> anyway, thanks for tuning into the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, your host here with Dr. Charles Goldman.